church only works with team, right? And, all right, let's, uh, let's turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Stacy came up to say uh, the summit, which is our, I'd say this is our premier event of the year, guys, where uh, churches are coming from around Montana. People are not just speakers flying from different countries around the world. Uh, to be with us, and uh, next Sunday, the Lion's Den Church is coming in. We're going to be, just, just to warn you, uh, the Lion's Den, I mean, this, these are like bikers, and uh, they've got more ink on, I mean, you should see, that this is a fun place to go to church, Pastor uh, John Meek and Dave Meek uh, lead the church there and lead the team. Uh, these guys are saved, but barely saved, you know what I mean? Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, they're awesome. Uh, yeah, I won't, no. Uh, they just, they, they're one of our sister churches in other regions beyond church just down the road. They're going to be shutting down their meeting to be with us next Sunday morning, leading us in worship, actually, so uh, come ready. Uh, and so we're so blessed to serve you, and I hope every, let me urge you, everyone come uh, this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But I had this thought, let's have the summit start today. You know, sometimes we look to an event and we want the summit to start today. We want God to speak to us today. I came ready uh, and encouraged for God to speak to me and move in my life. And so uh, today I want to talk to you about, I want to prime the pump a bit and talk to you about reaching our summit. Uh, every single one of us uh, will find in life there's mountains in our way, there's challenges that we face or things that uh, maybe the enemy might try to put in a mountain or a way, or God may uh, put a dream in your heart that really is like a, a mountain that you want to conquer. And I want to, in a moment, we're going to read Exodus. We've been looking at the last three weeks at Moses. If you've been here, if not, you can go back and take a listen. We talked about leadership. Uh, when Moses learned to lead, right? Uh, a leader is a learner. When you stop learning, you stop leading. And Moses had, Moses had one of the, the longest stints of Bible college ever. He was in Egypt for 40 years, right? And then he went to the desert for 40 years. And he learned a lot. He learned in Pharaoh's school of leadership, and then he learned in God's school of leadership. And then God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a thing or two about leadership. And as I was reading that, uh, and uh, preaching about leadership two weeks ago, then last week, calling. We talked about how uh, three questions every leader, every believer will ask where you say, who am I? Remember he said, who am I, Lord? And then he said, who are you? Who do I tell them sent me? God said, I am who I am. Remember that part? And then he said, what if they don't listen? So we talked about those three things. That, and, and then I came to this as I was reading, uh, in Exodus 3, verse 10, God said this, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you will bring my people, the children of Israel, uh, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, 
Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel to Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. And that word, uh, when, it, when I was praying about the summit, and I just thought about, man, we want to be a church that climbs mountains. And, and God had, uh, he said, you're going to go deliver the people, and then you're going to come back, and you're going to climb this mountain. Now, guys, uh, climbing mountains are tough, right? How many of you ever try to climb the M? You have your new your resolutions, and you decide, man, I'm going to climb the M twice a week, the 13 switchbacks, <laughs> or what is it, 13? Uh, and I'm going to walk, there's some people that walk up one and then run up the other, then they walk the next and run up the other. That sounds fun, right? That's like made for, well, Jesse Barnes runs up all of them just straight. Uh, there's the, the run, the Pengali, Pengali double dip, where people run up Mount Sentinel. That's the mountain right above the university with the M. They run up that mountain back beyond the radio tower of East Missoula. They run back and run down because they're crazy, <laughs> right? They had too much Red Bull and they're ready to run. Uh, why? Because there's something in us. God, I, I believe we're made, uh, we're made to want to conquer. God's put things in us where we want to we reach mountaintops. And so those of you that, some of you love, literally love the mountains. We're going to talk about mountains spiritually, but some of you love the mountains. Can I hear a huge amen? Some of you are more comfortable, like John Pearson is more comfortable in the middle of the Bob Marshall than he probably is in the middle of Missoula, right? Uh, you know, or Ben Rittner and some of you guys who love to conquer mountains. I remember, Bruce, you told me one year you climbed Lolo Peak, the nine miles trudging up. And there's something, and for me personally, I, uh, when I, I'm in the, it's like John Muir said, uh, to, the, you know, to the mountains I must go. He just, there's something in me personally where I'm drawn to the mountains, and when I read this, I th we're gonna take a mountain tour through the Bible uh, today. Five peaks, five summits that I believe God's gonna ask us to conquer or climb or consider. Uh, and as we come into the summit, guys, as a church, I want you to get ready, I want you to pray, I want you to raise your expectation, uh, but mountains are tough, aren't they? Mountains are challenging. He said, Moses, I wanted you to serve me on this mountain. The first mountain, the first summit is the mountain of leadership. The mountain where God challenges us to say, hey, I want you to go higher. I know there's valleys you're gonna go through and there's, there's low points in our life, but we're not meant to dwell in the valleys, right? David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I think a key word there is through the valley. Come on, I'm not going to the valley. I'm going through the valley. God wants me to get through this thing and through this stuff, and I'm not gonna live in a perpetual state of a victim syndrome or stuck in place. God's calling me through this puppy so I can get to the mountain, right? I'm gonna, he, he, wants us to, he wants us to lead, and that's not just for elders or home group leaders. We're all called. I believe we're a church filled with leaders, and God's gonna grow our leadership gifting. It's one huge reason to come this week and say, God, I, I want to be a leader. I don't want to be a follower, right? And Moses learned some huge lessons in, in Egypt. He learned uh, to drive the people or drive, uh, Pharaoh would drive the people. In the desert, he learned to lead the sheep. 
That's God's style leadership to, to lead, not drive. In Egypt, he learned to break people's spirit. But in the desert, he learned to have a broken spirit. Right? He learned to, to, be, to, to be broken and humbled and so much so, even though Stephen says he was a man mighty of faith and action back in Egypt, he gets to the desert and he starts stuttering and he says, I'm slow of speech. Have someone else talk for me. Guys, the, the mountain, if we're going to do anything in the kingdom of God, we've got to conquer and begin to climb this mountain of leadership where we ready ourselves, right? And say, God, I want, I want to... Climb in you. I want to climb a little bit higher. I've been reading about Edmund Hillary. Does anyone know what he accomplished? First man on Everest. Yeah, there was, there was maybe. Uh, there, was, there was two guys there, right? And Edmund was said to take the first, uh, the first step. But he said this. Here's a few quotes. He said, it's not the mountain we conquer, but it's ourselves. Right? And so there's things in us, if we're going to lead well and, and reach our summit, we have to conquer things in ourselves. He said, people do not decide to become extraordinary, but they decide to do extraordinary things. Right? Hey, God, give us, some, give us big things to shoot for. Give us, help me be a leader like I've never led uh, before. And he led the way, didn't he? And now, man, there's kids and, and grandmas and grandpas climbing Everest. No. There's, people, there's literally hundreds. And it's like when the guy bro, uh, broke the four-minute mile. The, the four-minute mile was this, this ultimate level. And once that broke... Right? Once someone led the way and they said, this can be done, other people followed. And, and then high school students are, are, are set, running the four-minute mile. Um, he said this, you don't need to be a fantastic hero to do certain things to compete. You can be an ordinary chap, uh, sufficiently motivated to reach your challenging goals. You can be ordinary, Right? You can just, you don't have to be this amazing person. Do what you do well and reach your goals. Uh, ask God to make you a greater leader. Amen? The summit of leadership is a, can't, for Moses, it was a tough one when God said, You're going to, you know, we read that so quickly. He climbed this mountain, but climbing mountains are tough, right? I took a bunch of our youth guys. Uh, Granite Peak is the highest peak in Montana. 13,000, like 700 feet, something like that. Uh, and I decided to take the youth group there. A bunch of the guys, the college guys, and, and uh, we really didn't prepare well to get to Granite Peak. It's one of the hardest, highest points of the 50 states. Uh, and to get there, first you walk three or four miles uphill out of um, somewhere in Montana. I forgot. And... You come to the switchbacks from hell. That's what they're called. And you look up the mountain and there's these long switchbacks that, and they're called the switchbacks from hell. And when you get to the top of those, you reach, not a joke, you reach froze to death plateau, which is this long plateau at like 10, 5, 10,500 feet and in the distance. And you finally walk all the way through there and you get to this uh, big swooping valley, and, and you come to this snow bridge, and when you get there, Granite Peak shoots up. And I took about 10 of the guys from church, and I named the trip uh, the Trail of Tears. 
because about every few miles, the guys are going, I'm done, and they, elevation sickness, and we just tried to storm the mountain, man. We didn't plan. We just, man, we're to storm the mountain, and there was guys stopped here, and a few of us here, and then three of us made it to the last bit, and we looked up, and to be honest, it's a mountain I didn't, haven't conquered yet, and I went, it's too late in the day we're going home. It's, mountains are tough, right? Life's tough. The things that, that are put in our way uh, can be a challenge. And God wants to encourage us to grow in our leadership. And, and we can be ordinary people and do extraordinary things in God, right? I want to uh, give a huge praise to one of our uh, extraordinary leaders, Jim Mickelson. This week, he was honored uh, in his work of the area of traumatic brain injury. If you don't know Jim, uh, several years ago, out where Dismet School is, down near the airport, several years ago, um, probably several decades ago, Jim was a fireman and driving to a fire, and no one really knows who happened, what happened, because no one was there, but Jim went over the railroad tracks in his fire truck and was hit by a train, full speed, and it's a miracle. Uh, he's with us today. But he does traumatic brain injury work, and this week he'll be uh, honored by Mayor John Egan. And this Wednesday will be uh, named Jim Mickelson Day. <laughs> Come on, it's Jim Mickelson. We're... Thank you. <clears throat> Where's Jim? He's out doing traumatic brain injury work. Good job. Someone tell Jim, good job. Um, so, I mean... We take the, the challenges. God uses the challenges we face, the trials we face, and he helps us grow as a leader. Amen? Let's look, flip to another scripture, Joshua 14, verse 11. This is one of my favorite uh, scriptures in the Bible. This is Caleb talking. And he said this, I'm still as strong as I wa I'm still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me. My strength now is, is that the strength for war and going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day for you have heard of the, uh, how the sons of Anakin were there and the great fortified cities. And it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Caleb said, hey, uh, I haven't gotten my inheritance or all the land yet. Now he said, give me this mountain, right? He, he said, see that mountain up there? Uh, I want to take it. And I, I don't think there's that many people who say to God, God, give me a mountain, right? Give me a mountain to conquer, right? You got to be a little bit of a glutton of punishment, right? And it's kind of a dangerous prayer to say, God, give us a, a mountain. And this is the mountain of strength. He said, I'm still as strong as I was before, the first was leadership. This is strength. If we're going to do all God's called us to do, I believe he's got to, got to give us a supernatural strength because we have fears, right? We have doubts. We're weak. We struggle. We, uh, to be honest, when God called me and did a work in me, one of my greatest fears, to be honest, uh, I should say was, uh, because now I talk too much, uh, was public speaking, right? That's, you know, that's funny, 
Isn't that funny? Hey, I want you to uh, preach and share and teach the Bible. And yeah, God, you got the wrong guy, right? That, that was probably one of my biggest fears. I, I would sit uh, in the front in youth meeting and look out and, and they're students. But man, I, I thought, I, I, I would just like, what am I going to say to them? Right? Oh, and I'm probably deathly afraid of mice. <laughs> also, I can hunt bears and mountain lions, but one day a mouse ran through our staff, our team meeting at church. I squealed like a girl at a Bieber concert and was up on top of, uh, I was up on the chair. Heather's down there, ranch kid from Gold Creek. She's stabbing that thing, uh, stepping on it. No. Uh, we saved it and turned it loose, right? <laughs> like good Missoula citizens. Uh, but we all have areas in our life where we have weakness. And if, if God didn't challenge those areas of our life, we'd never grow. If, if I didn't need strength, why would I need God? I always laugh, right? There's times I come up to Sharon, I go, Lord, help me today. Help me, help me preach. And, and then he reminds me, well, were you going to do this on your own already? Right? Were you going to do this in your own strength? God wants to give you such high mountains to conquer. You're going to need his strength. Caleb said, give me, I'm still as strong. Give me a mountain. I, I wonder if there's anyone left today or if there's a church today. Who's, and in this week at the summit, when we come to pray on Wednesday and Thursday, if we would cry out and say, God, give us a mountain. Give us something to conquer. Give us something bigger than ourselves. Give us dreams that we can't reach on our own. Right? Help us have strength to, to reach those places. And not only did he ask for a mountain, he asked for a mountain where the enemy lived. <laughs> I want that mountain where the giants live. Right? I want that mountain that, that's impossible to climb. I love it when I hear uh, pastors say all the time, my town is the hardest town to reach in the whole world. It's a, there's a stronghold there. There must be like a million strongholds everywhere because it's like every single town. Uh, you know what? Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Right? And, and, and he, Caleb looked at that mountain and he looked at the enemy and he said, I'm just as strong as I was uh, when I was young. And maybe this can be a word for some of you today who are getting on in years. It's not too late to ask God for a mountain. Right? Man, pray with us. Seek God and say, God, what do you have for me? Give me a mountain. It doesn't matter if you're young or old or middle-aged. God wants to challenge you this week to ask him for a new summit to reach. Mountain of strength. It's similar in 1 Samuel 17. It says the children of Israel were camped on one mountain and the Philistines and uh, Goliath are over on another mountain. I think it's the Valley of Elah. Is that right? Uh, is in between them. And there they are afraid and, and Goliath shouting out, cursing at them and, and fear set upon them. But didn't you know a young guy, a young lad named David came and, and he says, man, our God will deliver. He delivered me from the lion, and he delivered me from the bear. Everyone with the hunting tig said amen. 
right? And he will deliver me from that giant. You need strength to conquer certain mountains. You need strength to fight off giants. We're gonna need strength in these days to face all the works of the enemy, something deep down where God puts something deep down in us. We're not relying on our own gifts and talents. Although those are fine, we need the strength of God today. Uh, so st- leadership, strength. Let's look at Mark 11.22. Mark 11.22, and Jesus said to them, have faith in God. There's a sermon in itself, isn't there? Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have it and received, it shall be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If anything, uh, have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who's in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is the mountain where we need faith. Right? This is the mountain that this is the mountain where of difficulty we come to in our life. And, and, and Jesus said to them, have faith in God. Faith that Philip Yancey said this, he said, faith is believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. And that takes a while to I had to read it like 20 times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Faith is believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. What that means is you get to a point in your life, you've gone through trials and struggles and heartache, and I can, I can think of one example off the top of my head. My youngest brother, when he was five, he got cancer, and I, I cursed God. I got so mad at God and didn't understand why my brother didn't do, deserve anything to do uh, that. He had a Wilms tumor the size of a softball in his kidney. And uh, he made it through that, but uh, through the, the chemo and losing his hair, and here's a, he was the youngest in her family. The, the youngest is the baby, right? You, you know, they just get doted on, and it's like our daughter, Mickey. Uh, we have five kids, and Mickey just gets packed everywhere. She's tough, man. Don't mess with Mickey, because she has four siblings, and she'll tell you what's up, um, <laughs> right quick. Uh, but she, she gets so doted on and they all want to pick her up, you know. They all grab her and they're not much bigger, than, you know. But she's the baby. My brother was the baby of the family. I thought, how could he get sick? Well, now when I look back and I see what God has made him to be as a young man, do you know in the last several years he's been to 30 countries for every home for Christ, he goes in and does audits for missions programs, make sure finances are used correctly. 30 countries, he's t- just turned 31 years old. And so faith, uh, faith is uh, believing in advance would only make sense in reverse. When you see what God does, when you see how he uses trials, when you see how he's trained you and the trials that have come up, you get faith and you go, God, I, I have to believe that there's something good at the other end of this. I have to think of this church, everything we've gone through over the years, and I want to commend you for climbing the mountain of faith by, man, guys, look what God has done. Look what he's, you guys like that, you guys were quiet. Look what God's done. Look at yourself and look at your life and go, wow, God has been good to me. He's gotten me thus far, right? He's gotten me to this point, and so God, we, we want to, Jesus said, 
if you have faith and believe in your heart, those mountains can move, right? And I, th- I think there's going to be, and, and it's kind of, it's kind of like offerings in church. There's, there's always a big offering or a big ask because God puts big things uh, and challenges and dreams on our heart, right? Until the next big one, right? Last year, we received an offering for uh, the building called the TNT Tavern that we purchased. It's now a church. Andrew was there preaching there today. He was there preaching, well, whenever that was, 18 hours ago or 12 hours ago. They took an old tavern, an old rusty brothel of a nasty tavern, and I visit it myself. It's now a a packed church, and kind of, I'm sure they've cleaned it up, but when we went there, people are jumping up and down, and the dust glory cloud would fill the air, (laughs) right? And And we received that and purchased that. Hey, good timing. There he is. Ho! Come on, let's give Jesus a hand. Good job. There he is. Look at those lads. Oh! Man, you guys are hired. That's pretty good, right? In the message, can I work that in? If you get sound on that, let me know if it's before I move on to the next point. Um, hi. They're the quietest church ever. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hi, America. Thank you for the, the building. Um, when difficulties arise, we need faith. Right, you need to believe that God's greater than that mountain and that mountain of difficulty, that mountain of finance, that mountain of sickness, whatever you're, the mountain of debt, the way God has brought us through when we purchased this facility and saw all the debt we had and the way God has provided. And, and when I look back now and go, God, why did everything happen the way it did? God has not diminished my faith. God has grown my faith. Not so much so that I say that if there's more mountains in the way, we can climb them. Amen. Matthew 4, 8. Let's flip there. Are you guys good? Matthew 4, 8. This next one's tough. Are you ready? Again, the devil took him, Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and you shall uh, serve him only. One of the toughest mountains I think to conquer is the mountain of temptation. If we're gonna lead, if we're gonna have strength, if we're gonna have faith, Guys, to, to be a leader and, and to, to do what God's called us to do. And even think of the athletes that, that train to climb high mountains. They're watching what they eat. They're watching. They're very disciplined. Uh, they're working on conditioning. They're getting their bodies strong. And I think uh, Jesus fought the devil with something very powerful. That was the word of God. Remember, turn these stones into bread. And he said, no, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every time the devil came at him with temptation, He had the scripture ready to fight. So if we're going to fight temptation and be strong and reach the summits that God has for you, we have to be strong in the word. It's the same old tricks of the enemy, right? He uses the same tricks every single time. I'll prove it. How many of you have ever said, uh, I'll never do that again? 
man, I'll never do that again. I'll never click on that website or I'll never give in in that way. And you did it again, right? You can laugh at yourself. I'm not harshing on you, right? We're, that's temptation. It's the, the lure of lust, the tug of temptation. The, de- the devil knows what makes us tick and you can kind of sum up almost every single uh, temptation in three ways. The need to feel, the need to have, the need to be, right? The need to feel, the need to have, the need to be. Turn these stones to bread. Uh, the need, to, have, the need to, to feel, have, be. It was the same in uh, Genesis, is it three, where the serpent comes and tempts Eve, right? Did God really say, you will be like God, Right, and, and it, she, she moved in, and it's very similar in 1 John where he said, uh, the enemy comes at us with the lust of flesh, the pride of the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Have, feel, and be. And, and he knows, he wants us to, we wanna feel good, we want, we want to feel good. Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end it leads to death. It leads to death. It, we want to feel. We want to feel right. And we, we need to know that we get our identities found in God and his Holy Spirit and the presence of God. Sometimes we want to be something larger than we are. And, and we need to know that God's a good father and we, he teaches us to be humble. Um, when the devil took Jesus to this high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of this world, sometimes we think, well, that's Jesus. He kind of walked around on a cloud, but he's a young man, right? And I don't think the devil would have tempted him. I don't think it would be called the temptation of Christ if it wasn't tempting, right? It was tempting. When he looked out and he saw the kingdoms of the world, if you fall down, these will all be yours. Well, they're gonna be Jesus's anyways. He tempts you with something that could be yours, but even in the wrong timing, Right, and so he's trying to tempt him with something that's his anyway, but to go about it the wrong way. That's the trick of the enemy to get you to give in and compromise and to give up, right? And so the the devil comes uh, in this temptation. We need to rely on the word. Like Psalms 121, I lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord, right? If we're gonna... If we're going to conquer all that God has for us, guys, let's be people of the word. Let's dive in like never before this year. Get it in you so it comes out of you. David, I think David said, I hid his word in my heart that I may not sin against him. His word's in my heart, and you find yourself in in situations where he reminds you of those scriptures and that imperishable seed, that incorruptible seed that he's watching out for, he, he put it inside of you so when the enemy comes up, he, oh, he gives you a scripture and it comes to mind and you know you shouldn't do that. You've already prayed, I don't wanna do it again, but you can't do it with self-help and uh, just, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it. You need the strength and the power of God's word and the Holy Spirit living inside you if we're gonna conquer the mountain of temptation. Come on, some of you are at risk of giving up and throwing in the towel, don't quit, right? Don't quit, don't give up. Don't quit, don't give up. Outside of Atlanta, Georgia, there's a mountain called Stone Mountain. It's this, there's a huge carving on it actually, but it's this huge granite, I think it's one of the largest granite rocks, at least in our nation. 
but at the, at the edge of it, it's now fenced up at a visitor center. It's this huge overlook, basically flat country, not like here, but this huge granite mountain. And there's a point on the top of the mountain called the point of no return. And the reason it's fenced off is that dad and his son went up to the top of the mountain and they wanted to look over, right? And the problem is they, they got to the edge and there's a point on the mountain where it's so rounded, almost like if you walked over a ball, right? You'd hit the point of no return and that's where gravity takes over and they, they wanted to go over and look. And when I thought of that illustration and story, I thought of Lot's wife who had to look back. She was tempted. God said, don't look back. Keep moving forward. And I, my fear is, and here's a, a warning then an encouragement, uh, the devil wants to tempt us to look back at our past and look at our sin and look at our mistake and look to the lure of lust uh, and things that he wants to tempt you with. Don't look right? Uh, we, d we don't want to get to the place of the point of no return in our life where uh, we fall off and some falls are harder than others. And I know there's grace when we make mistakes, right? And I know God's loving kindness is better than life, but man, turn to God today. Don't give in to sin. Our, our, our life and our gifting uh, and the call we have isn't for us to make our, we don't reach summits, by the way, to make a name for ourselves. We, we reach summits to make much of God. And there's too much at stake in your life to give in to sin and to give in to temptation. Back away from the point of no return. Don't hang on that line. All right? Let's climb the mountain of temptation. Let's lift our eye and let's, let's conquer the enemy with the word. Someone say amen today. Genesis 22 the last summit, sort of the last summit. It's one of my f most favorite stories in the whole Bible. And I think one of the most challenging ones. It's the story of Abraham, where God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled uh, his donkey and took his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place God had told him. And on the third day, God, uh, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey, stay here, and I and the boy will go over yonder and worship. Isn't that interesting? I think that's, that may be the first place the word worship's mentioned in the Bible. I think that's fascinating. As they go to this mountain of sacrifice, uh, we're going to come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on, a, on his son Isaac. It's always good to have your son pack the wood. Right? And Abraham said, uh, or he said this, Isaac said, behold, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where is the lamb? It's a pretty good question to ask. Where is the lamb? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they both went together. The last uh, summit is the mountain of sacrifice. Right? If we're going to climb mountains that nobody climbs, and if we're going to take land that nobody's going to take, and if we're going to conquer those mountains where the giants are, there'll be sacrifice on the way, 
right? There's things we lay down. And just in case you don't know, uh, Abraham had Isaac, his one and only son. Uh, he was very important to him because he was the, the, well, the son of promise, actually. He had Ishmael before, but he had his, this, this son, the son of promise. This was the one that, that God provided for him. Right? This was the one that God had given them and they had dreamed and hoped and they had prayed. This was the one thing that they loved the most. Every single person has something they love the most. Right? Everybody's got an Isaac in life. Right? Everyone has something that God may ask you to lay down. God may have some, ask you to, to lay something down. And I think in a room this size, thinking of all of you, your walks of faith and everything you've, you've gone through, no one, not, no one will really understand the sacrifices you've made. No one will really understand the prayers you've prayed. And that's fine, right? We're not in it for promotion. And, and in fact, Abraham... Uh, he told, he, he had the lads and they had the donkey and they get to the mountain and they told the boys, you guys stay here. Why? Because I think some tests, some sacrifices you have to do on your own, right? I know, I believe in community and church and team and we're a big family and community groups, but there's some sacrifices, some mountains that if you're going to conquer those mountains, you have to decide in yourself, is it worth the sacrifice or not? To say, man, I'm willing to, you guys stay here. I'm going up because we're going we're gonna to go worship. We don't understand why we have to climb this and why I have to lay down my son, but we're going to worship. We're going to make much of God, right? We're going we're gonna to go up and, and lay everything down because God is good and he's in control and, and we don't understand why he's doing this, but Abraham's saying, I'm going up to the summit, right? And it's there, I'm going to worship and I'm, I'm going to lay down my Isaac, Man, what's the thing you love the most? What, what are things that you've held dear? If they, if they stand in the way of God, then see, God, God can be the only number one in your life. Everything else is second, third, fourth, fifth. There can only be number one, number one. And what God's asking when he tested him, he's saying, Abraham, am I number one? Am I, am I it in your book? Right? And, he, and, and if you don't know the story, Abraham draws back the knife. And what a fascinating scene he, of his one son, the son that he'd think about that. His own, his own flesh and blood right there on uh, Mount Moriah, right? Right there, laid him down. When Isaac says, where's the sacrifice? Imagine that father hearing that from his son going, oh. He's, but he said, God will provide. Even to the point he draws back the knife. And it says when he, when he drew back the knife, when he or stretched back his hand, God stopped him. See, I believe this, this mountain of sacrifice demands a stretching. It demands we're stretched. It demands we, we reach out and we step out in faith and we say, God, I don't get this, but I'm willing to lay everything down in my life for you because you're number one. Are you willing to do that for the mountains uh, that God wants you to conquer? Are you willing to, to sacrifice and giving and prayer and worship so that the kingdom of God can be expanded and this beautiful thing called the church can explode around the world? Right? I am. Are you? I am. I'm willing to say, God, we, we're... And, and actually, um, John 19 uh, I believe we sacrifice, but we shouldn't get too caught up with it because there's a really, really important sacrifice in the Bible, right? We do give, we do 
We do stretch ourselves, we train, we, we challenge ourselves, we, we give all we got, we leave it on the field, so to speak. But actually from Mount Moriah, I believe where Abraham and Isaac were a stone throws throw away in John 19, verse 16, this important thing happened. How many know what it is? God provided a lamb, that's right. It says this, so he delivered him over uh, to be crucified. Pilate delivers Jesus over to be crucified, and so they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his cross to the place of the skull. In Aramaic, it's called Golgotha. See, Mount Moriah sits, I believe, the Dome of the Rock where, uh, in Jerusalem, and it's not really a mountain to us. It's more of a hill, actually, right? But to them, it's a, it's a mountain. This is, this is just where our Savior Jesus was delivered over to be crucified. And why don't we, this is the most important sacrifice. Yeah, we give. Yeah, we pray. Yeah, we leave it all in the field. But uh, we don't have to shed our own blood because there's someone important who did. His name is Jesus Christ. And I believe when he, even though it's a hill and he had his cross and he started to bear it up Calvary's hill and he's, he's headed up there. God's going, I've got a plan that's going to remedy all of this, a, a plan that's going to help you conquer your summits, a, a plan that's going to give you uh, strength to lead and strength to fight giants and faith when mountains need to be cast to the sea, the times when you doubt and, and you don't have that strength, you're facing temptation. There's a man named Jesus who went up the uh, mountain of Calvary and he took sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God, the sacrifice to end. All sacrifices happen right there so we can ascend the hill of the Lord. Come on, so we can conquer every single mountain and even every single valley that God puts in our way. It's because of Jesus, right? And what he's done, the, the pioneer, he's our first pioneer. And when I think of mountain climbers, you see these photos of guys with big beards and you know, red noses, and they've, they've reached their summit. There's, some of them have frostbite on their fingers and their hands and toes, and they sacrifice to reach the summit. And I bet they don't do it so other people see them up there. Some might. Why do you reach a summit? You don't do it so other people see you. You reach a summit so you can see from the mountain. So you can see from the... And I believe God's going God's to give us some amazing mountains to climb in the days ahead. Guys, uh, ask him uh, for that leadership. Ask him for strength. Ask him for faith, right? Ask him to beat temptation. Ask him, God, help me sacrifice. Help me do what I need to do to be the leader I need to be, right? Help, God's extraordinary, he conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave on Calvary's cross so we can, so we can find protection and we can find hope and we can find uh, life in him. Guys, our best days, and let me say this to you, your best days are ahead, right? The gravitational pull of your future is greater than the pull of your past, the pull of your future is greater than the pull of your past. Come on, you gotta believe that. The pull of your future is greater than the pull of your past. And if we're gonna go up, 
If we're going to lift our eyes to the hills and if this week where there's going to be a swell of faith, we have to say, God, we want to look up to you. And one of my favorite scriptures, God called me, Ray, with this scripture, very unique. And this is why this message means a lot to me today. I shared this when I preached about calling a few weeks ago. I was driving from Eureka, Montana, down towards Missoula and make a long story short, basically saw a vision of a mountain. Uh, and it and I was kind of a lost, kind, not kind of lost. You're not kind of lost. You're lost, <laughs> right? I was lost. And, um, and I didn't find Jesus, by the way, because he wasn't lost. He found me. God's not lost, by the way. Uh, people say, I found Jesus. Oh, how do you do that? <laughs> Jesus, I found you. Where have I been all these years? <laughs> you know? Um, where was I? I'm driving down the road. <laughs> And this mountain pops up, like a, it was literally like a cloud form, and it went over the mountains of uh, east, of, west, east of town, and over the mountains of Glacier, and it just formed. And I literally, I don't know why, I pulled over, well, it was God speaking to me, I pull over, and I'm sobbing, weeping, crying, uh, and everything that had happened in my life began to unravel, and I knew I needed God desperately. I knew he was calling me, and here's this mountain. I don't know why it's there, but all I knew that God's presence was so strong in that car, he said, I want you to serve me. I want you to serve me, and I wept for days and, and cried, and God began to heal me and give me strength and said, God, how could I lead, or how could I have strength, or how could I sacrifice, how could I have faith with everything I've done? And he said, man, remember the sacrifice I made for you. And it, one or two days later, I don't know which, I opened my Bible to Isaiah 2, and I'd never read this scripture. It says this, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as a chief among the nations. All nations will stream to it. Many people will say, let's go to the house of God. All nations, streams don't come, streams come down mountains, they don't go up mountains. And I had never read that, and I, when I saw that vision a few days before and read that scripture, God broke me open and I knew, he called me and I knew that's why I exist, to take people up a mountain. That's what the church is here for. Let's take them, let's, in this last days, let's take them to the mountain of God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, we ask you today as we need strength, uh, and we need faith, and we want to grow as leaders, God. And we want to, there's many of us have sacrificed through the years, and no one will really understand everything we've done and gone through, God, but you do. And it, it, Lord, as we need strength to conquer things in our life, and we need uh, faith and strength to endure temptation, would you help us? Would you make us a God, would you make us, if back, uh, lack of a better word, just a mountain climbing kind of church? Would you help us climb the highest peaks? Would you help us ascend the hill of the Lord? Would you help us do great things, not in our strength, but in what you've done on Calvary's hill, God, and Golgotha, the place of the skull where you became sin, uh, so we can become the righteousness of God. Help us today. And if there's anyone here today, you're challenging them. You're calling them out of the doldrums of uh, boredom, of life, of being stuck in place. God, would you raise them up to new heights? Would you pull us into a new future and out of our past? Thank you for me and my life. The pull of my future was greater than the pull of my past. And you pulled me out, God. 
to lead and do things I never thought I could do. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask uh, Ray Lowe to come conclude and uh, close down the meeting, if you would. Thank you. Well, I think we began the summit superbly. No, I mean that. I, that was fantastic preaching. I'm beginning to wonder why I'm here, Josh. But no, that was fantastic. I think you've got a new man. What's been going on here? Oh, that's great. Um, it's so good to be here. I, I don't need to say that because you know that. And uh, I'm so looking forward, as is Trevor and Rachel and Sue and I and Steve. We, and uh, there's much prayer already been going into this. So I want to just say a few things to you, um, so one or two serious things. First thing is this, the prayer nights, often we, we don't have them in the, in, the, in, in the evening when we do this in, uh, when we do this in South Africa because people don't work too much out there. We do it during the day. And let me tell you this, often people think we could go home now. We've, we've, we've met for mornings uh, praying and we think, well, we can go home because what's going to happen as we pray, God's going to speak to us prophetically. There's going to be a lot of stirring of the prophetic gifts to, to really stir our faith, give us expectation for what God is going to do. And it's not he's going to do it in, in a conference. There will be things he does, but he's going to prepare us in this conference for what he's going to do. And I think that's the way we've got to look at, the, look at these conferences. Steve and I don't want to do conferences. We want to prepare people and ourselves for what God wants us to do. And we're moving in that direction. Um, I just want to read something to you that I was uh, praying yesterday morning, early yesterday morning, and uh, in John's Gospel. But I'm going to read it to you. It's a translation. I doubt if any of you here actually actually have. <coughs> Whoops. It's right at the end of uh, John 1. These young preachers, why do they do everything sideways? I suppose because you're so slim. That's what it is. It's, it's just you're so slim. You see, whereas I do it sideways, and it's, this is not a good view. That, I, I, just had a, I just had a revelation. That's why they do it. It's the slim ones that do it. Okay. Okay. Oh, you will have Steve Oliver doing it. Yeah, you won't have Trevor doing it, I can tell you. Okay, you're not meant to laugh. This is, uh, this is Nathaniel. He's only mentioned once in the scriptures, yes? But he, his other name was what? Anybody know? He was Bartholomew. He had a couple of names. So it's very confusing because Bartholomew, in the other gospels, they call him Bartholomew. This is the only time... He's referred to as Nathaniel, and it, I think it means gift, gift of God. And it's when Jesus meets him. And I was reading this yesterday morning, and I just felt God, I, I think this word 
is, is, is for us generally, but there's a specific word for you as a church. And I want to bring something pretty serious and demanding to you. Okay? I'm not taking up an offering yet. Okay, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee where he found Philip. Follow me, he said to him. Philip came from Bethsaida, the town where Andrew and Peter hailed from. Philip found Nathanael. We found him, he said, the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets too. We found him. It's Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Really? Said Nazareth, said dumb Nathaniel. Are you telling me that something good can come out of Nazareth? It wasn't that there was anything wrong with Nazareth, but it wasn't significant in the nation. There's nothing wrong with Missoula. Even when I check in in, America, in in an American Airways, they don't know where Missoula is. What country are you going to? <laughs> no, seriously, I, I'm serious. Okay, now, so that's what it means. It, it wasn't that there was anything wrong with it, but why should, why should God do anything? Why should God bother to do anything in an insignificant place? New York ought to be better, or Washington City. But that's not the way God works. He loves to do it back to front. He just loves to take places that are small, people who are insignificant, as Josh was saying this morning, and do something extraordinary. So Nathaniel here says, oh, oh, really? Here he comes, he said. This is Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him. This is what Jesus, here he comes, he said. Look at him. He's a real Israelite, genuine, through and through. Some translators say a man without guile, but I like this. He's a real Israelite, real, 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 real man looking for something. He's an Israelite, through and through. How did you get to know me, asked Nathanael. Oh, replied Jesus, I saw you under the fig tree, before Philip spoke to you. What was he doing under a fig tree? Well, we don't really know. Maybe he was sheltering from the sun. But a lot of the commentaries say he was actually praying. And Jesus saw him there. And so here's a, here's a true Israelite. He's waiting for something. He's hoping for something. And he's speaking to God about it in prayer. And Jesus there exercising his gifts. That word of knowledge. I saw you under the fig tree before Philip spoke to you. Rabbi, replied Nathaniel, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. <laughs> Wait a minute, said Jesus. Are you telling me that you believe just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? And this is the little phrase that God really put on my heart yesterday where I've been just meditating over for a while. This is what Jesus says. I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see a lot more than that. In fact, he went on, I'm telling you the solemn truth. You'll see heaven open and God's angels going up and down upon the Son of Man. Wow, what a thing. You'll see more than that. And I, I was thinking about that earlier this morning. I was thinking back. And Josh referred to the past quite a bit. But when I look back, I've seen some things. I've, I've seen some wonderful things. I've been involved in some wonderful things. I remember 
as many of you, and I'm looking out, I know some of you, and this was how I got to know you when I got to know Steve and Kay Valentine in 94 in Toronto. Uh, we, 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 we saw and experienced some wonderful things, and, and most of us have, haven't we? But you know what? You can't live on that. You can't live on it. And for Nathaniel, you know, he, Jesus said, this is amazing. This guy believes just because I told him I saw him under a fig tree. Wow. With such faith, you are going to see so much more. And you think what he saw. He had three years with Jesus. Wow. He saw, he saw all the amazing things that Jesus did. All the, heard all the amazing things that Jesus taught, that, that the understanding he gave to them that didn't get, was not given to others. And then, and then the whole thing of Jesus' redemptive act as Joshua's opening up for us. Folks, I believe this. God wants us to see a lot more things yet. And now I'm not talking about the spectacular because, you see, so often... God doesn't think about the spectacular. God is thinking about things um, that, that change communities and nations. And, and miracles and things like that, as much as it's great to see them, I thank God for some of the miracles. They do not change nations and communities. It's people's lives that are impacted. And they're impacted through, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, even to principalities and powers. And I want to say this to you folks. Um, I was out in California a couple of months ago. Believe it or not, I was with a bunch of Roman Catholics now. That is a first for me. That really is a first. I didn't take my table talks with me on the Reformation. I thought that probably would not have gone down too well. But I was, I was uh, amazingly surprised. These were, these were guys who most of them were they were businessmen. It was a businessman's thing. There was about 35 of them. They invited me to just uh, share with them on their Wednesday morning meeting, early morning. I shared for about an hour. And then they had a, a sort of monthly convention on the, on the Saturday where I'd been booked in to do a session. But they gave me the whole thing. They said, no, we want you to do the whole thing. Oh, boy, did I have fun with them. And I tell you what, they were amazing. And uh, it was just such a wonderful experience. I don't know what's going to come out of it, but they're in, they're in communication with me. And um, I'm just praying that we might be able to do something because uh, they're a wonderful bunch of people. But to be honest, the churches they're involved with, are, are, there's, there's very little life there. This is, and, it, and this is a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. Um, but um, one of them, one of them um, kept hanging around me. And I wanted to play golf, and I, he wanted to hang around and ask questions. And in conversation, and there was quite some theological stuff, he said to me, do you really believe that God is in control of everything? I said, oh, no, I don't believe that at all. I believe something much better than that. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, if God's, if God's in control of everything, then we're just nothing more than robots. He, he's given us free will. He's given us the ability to make choices, Good, we can make good choices, we can make bad choices. He said, well, what's the difference? I said, the difference is this. God is a sovereign God, and he knows what he's going to do, and he doesn't really need your help or my help. 
But by his grace, he includes us. And you know what? Even when we mess up, even when we sin, even when we don't get things right, even when we're naive, even when we're immature and look back and think, oh my goodness, did I really say that or do that? That's why tapes sometimes, where they play your, your tapes back, you think, oh, no, no, not that one. What? God, because God is sovereign and because he's got a plan which, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a done deal. All, all the mess, all the circumstances, all the difficulties, all the struggles, all the painful experiences we have, all the bereavements, all the things we go through, God weaves into this wonderful picture to fulfill his plans. I, I was thinking back. When I came here, I think it was in 94 or 95, and got to know some of you, and I can, some of you were a lot younger then and a little slimmer. Um, you, you wouldn't be standing sideways on. Um, who, who dreamt that here we would be in 2016 trying to draw together a bunch of churches, five, six churches? All probably a little bit fragile, some struggling. Why are, we, why are we doing this? Because God has a sovereign plan. And I want to say to you folks, and this is pressure, and I mean it to be, what we're trying to do at this present time, this is the flagship. Now, we, we don't want to get into pride over this, just want to be real. This is the flagship. This is why Trevor came here for five, five, to, five to six months, so that we would have a base so that we could begin to touch this part of the Northwest. And this is the flagship. And that's why I say to you, it's a privilege to be a flagship. I come from a little town called Biggin Hill in Kent. You know that. Some of you have been there. When I went there, it was only 5,000 people there. Nobody expected anything good to come out of Biggin Hill. Terry Virgo told me it wasn't long uh, I was beginning to build a decent-sized church, and Terry said, this place is too small for you. You need to go to a city. You can build something really big. I said, but I don't believe that God wants me to build in particularly a place. I believe he wants me to build with people of faith, and I believe there's people of faith here, so I know I can build something good. And uh, God spoke to him, and so he got off my back. And I stayed in Biggin Hill for 37 years. And that church is flourishing and still going on today. Just got a new, new young leader come. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, but you see, God, but we became a flagship church. We planted out other churches. And people could say, out of Biggin Hill? Well, out of Missoula? Yes. That was always Steve Valentine's dream. There was nothing wrong with the dream. So I want to say to you, you know, this is the flagship. So this week, people are coming to your church. They're coming to your building. You are the hosts and the hostesses. That's a very important responsibility. So I want to lay it on you heavy. Be here. Come and, uh, uh, come and embrace those that are coming. Um, some of them are going to be traveling a long way to be here. They're going to be paying... Um, expensive airfares, some of them, please, uh, and, and you'll be blessed, and particularly on the prayer nights, so that we're together. And I, I believe God's going to do some, some amazing, amazing things. Why? Because he's a sovereign God. Does he need me? No. Does he want me? 
Yes. Does he want you? Yes. So it's thrilling being here this morning with you. So glad I wasn't preaching. So glad it was him. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I can put this man on any platform, unless that was just a one-off and he got lucky. <laughs> I can put this guy on any platform that we're doing. As Steve and I and Trevor say, when we do conferences, you don't come to a speaker. We come to encounter God. And that's what this week is not about the speaking. It will be good. If, we, if not, then don't give, don't give us an honorarium. We probably won't get one anyway, because I'm sure there's something else Steve will want to buy, by the way. But uh, no, seriously, this week, we're not coming to hear messages. We're coming to encounter God. Now, I want you to stand. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you, will you accept this responsibility? You know, there's been a delay of 10 years, hasn't there? Really? Since Steve's death. It's been a delay of 10 years, but God has been doing some amazing things during that time. The fact you've survived is, a, is a, an amazing thing. There's a sovereign of God, sovereignty of God and a lot of hard work from a lot of people. But why? I believe now we're moving into a, 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 new, a new era. I read somewhere um, that there's a corridor in Montana called the Suicide Corridor. Do you know about that? There's more suicides in this, uh, in this place than I think there is in most other parts of America. Why? Because all those towns that once were in the gold rush and the silver rush and all the other rushes and whatever, they, 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 once it, they, they were teeming with people and, and, uh, and, 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 and the affluence now, uh, the, the people, particularly wintertime, are desperate. There's loads of empty little church buildings Folks, my, my prayers are that God is going to do such a work in churches like, like this, that those places. I'm so thrilled to hear that at the Bitterroot, you've started a, a group. Yeah? Yeah. The Bitterroot, that's great, isn't it? And uh, I know that Josh was sharing with me yesterday that some of the folks that used to come here out by where the Radkeys live and that. Hey, the, the possibility now of a, a group out where, where they are on the ranch. Hey, the days of church planting. There's, there's possibilities. Can we bring ourselves together this morning? And I, I say us, I'm counting myself in here. That we're going to believe for something extraordinary. Not because we're other than ordinary, but because God himself is extra and his plan is for people his plans are for people and uh, so let's just uh, come on let's commit ourselves lord. lord you told us lord to take your your yoke because it was easy we thank you lord jesus that you've put a yoke on all of us You've yoked us to yourself and your purposes. And it's a yoke, Lord, that we, we accept. And we just pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll help us to press on, to climb these mountains Josh was telling us about this morning. But for this next week, Lord, we pray this may be a special week, particularly in the, the, the life of this host church. As people come, may they be blessed like never before. 
And may, may, may they go from this place knowing they've encountered God. Lives have been redirected. Faith has been restored. Some have been, will have been healed of things from the past. But Lord, at the end of the day, that your kingdom will come in this whole area, Lord. This, this big, big state in America. That Lord, there will be a, a gain. And there won't be a gold rush this time. It'll be a rush of grace to people that are hurting and needy, Lord Jesus. So we, we commit this summit conference to you and we say, Lord Jesus, have your way with us. Have your way with everyone who attends, Lord Jesus, and may it bring much glory and honour to your name. Amen. Thanks for the opportunity, Josh. That's great. All right. Hey, we'd like our ministry team to come forward. If you have a prayer need of any kind, we'd love to agree and pray with you. Uh, I know uh, uh, the Demets mentioned Peggy's back in the hospital. If you and your family, Raleigh, could gather up here, we'd love to pray for Peggy uh, and see her get well. So uh, God bless you guys. We'll see you Wednesday night, 6, Thursday night, 6, prayer, and then it's conference uh, Friday at 7. God bless you guys.